hemodialysis, fistulas, and grafts. So who would need a hemodialysis, fistula, or graft? Well, a patient with an acute kidney injury might need dialysis temporarily, but a patient with end-stage renal disease may need long-term dialysis to eliminate excessive fluid and decrease the level of various undesirable substances in the blood, um, such as creatinine, urea, and, uh, and free water. So a hemodialysis fistula or graft will allow direct access to the circulation. It can be accomplished um, with a fistula of a native artery to a vein or with a graft between the two or with a central venous catheter. Ultrasound evaluation before uh, and after hemodialysis access um, because we use a non-invasive uh, technique of visualizing these vessels as opposed to venography. And we can give detailed evaluation of the arteries and the venous anatomy. We can also map and measure the vessels and determine if they're suitable for an AV placement or graft. We can perform this um, mapping and uh, it has a it double the port. If we do the mapping, it doubles the uh, portion of patients dialysizing with a fistula in our patient population. Um, Evaluation of the AV fistula and graft function allows us to see a stenosis, occlusion, uh, pseudoaneurysms, hematomas, and abscesses as well. So what are the indications for hemodialysis? Um, so we have this monomic um, um, AEIOU and A for acidosis, especially if severe with a pH less than 7.2 and refractory of HCO3 or unable to give HCO3 due to volume overload or symptomatic arrhythmias. So HCO3 by, is a, it's bicarbonate, a form of, bi, of uh, carbon dioxide. E is for electrolytes, especially potassium with EKG changes, uh, temporized with CAD50 insulin, bicarb, and K-exalate. Eyes for ingestions, especially those that cause renal failure, such as salicylates and ethylene glycol. O is for overload. Uh, example, volume overload causing pulmonary edema, uh, temporized with nitrates and mega doses of Lasix, 160 to 200 milligrams of IV. We push slowly to avoid autotoxicity. And U for uremia, um, which examples of confusion, pericarditis, seizures, platelet dysfunction with severe bleeding and intractable nausea and vomiting. So remember um, the AEIOU, um, and uh, that will help you to remember these different items, the acidosis, electrolytes, ingestions, overload, and uremia. So hemodialysis, access grafts, and fistula facts. So created to sustain patients with end-stage renal failure. And actually on um, page 271 of your Daigle book, it says that 
300,000 to 400,000 in the USA are dialysis dependent. And the 200,000 is probably an old statistic. Um, patients are likely to undergo multiple revisions, fistulas, or grafts. Indications for a duplex ultrasound scan. One would be as a pre-op assessment for vein artery suitability. Another one would be if they were having uh, poor dialysis and uh, difficult cannulation or thrombus aspiration, elevated venous pressure of a greater than 200 um, uh, milligrams of mercury, um, or millimeters of mercury pump set to 200 cc's uh, per minute, and access recirculation of 12% or greater. So um, hemodialysis recirculation occurs when dialyzed blood returning through the venous needle, it re-enters the extracorporeal circuit through an arterial needle rather than returning to the system, systemic circulation. So if that happens and it exceeds 12% or greater, they know that it's, something's happening. It's not going through like it should. So um, signs of possible access failure, unexplained urea reduction ratio of less than 60%, uh, palpable water hammer effect, uh, shunt collapse, distal limb ischemia, uh, absence of fistula palpable thrill. So when you put your fingers over the top of one of these, they're very superficial, um, especially like these loop graphs and stuff, you can see them almost protruding from the skin and you put your fingers on it, you can really feel uh, the blood flowing through there and feel that thrill on your fingertips. Uh, perigraft fluids or mass. So any fluids um, or mass around, usually it's around the access point where they get abscesses or they have fluid. And we can see that with ultrasound. Types of access, essential venous catheter um, through the um, internal jugular vein or subclavian vein insertion. It's a temporary short-term solution uh, or it's tunneled and they have a higher frequency of um, catheter-related uh, bacteria than the hemodialysis grafts in the arm do. So that's why a lot of times they this is temporary before they actually um, get approval to have um, AAB fistula or a um, hemodialysis graft put it placed. Native axis fistulas, arterial venous fistulas, they're usually constructed in the non-dominant arm. Almost always go to the non-dominant arm first. They'll perform um, typically a mapping of the veins and measurements of the artery that they want to use for anastomosis. And then uh, if the measurements are adequate on the non-dominant arm, they'll use that, use that arm. If they are not ideal in the non-dominant, they may look at the dominant arm to place the, uh, um, the fistula or the graft. So you have an image here of a fistula where we have the radial artery with a uh, end to side connection and astomosis of the cephalic vein, and then the right we see the side to side and astomosis. So, um, 
current dialysis outcome quality initiative guidelines encourage the placement of arterial venous fistulas rather than grass because of their greater longevity and decreased incidence of infection. Uh, Brassica uh, simino fistula. Here we have the radial artery to cephalic vein is most common. It's uh, autogenous, meaning it's arising from within or from uh, I think itself. Uh, known for long-term patency, low complication rate. Ulnar artery to basilic vein may also be created, but it's less common. You can have uh, brachial artery to basilic is also used. And so this procedure was invented by uh, James Simino and M.J. Brasica in 1966. Simino was a phlebotomist during the Korean War and noticed that fistulas that were caused by trauma to the soldiers worked better for the blood draws. And so he had persuaded and um, convinced a surgeon to go ahead and surgically make these fistulas. And they gave it a try, and it worked out really well. And so um, this uh, particular procedure is considered, continued today because it works so well. Arterial venous fistulas and AV fistula must be allowed to mature prior to use. Otherwise, adequate flow volume may not occur. With maturity, it becomes sausage-like. As you can see in the diagram here, and the transducer contact can sometimes uh, make things difficult due to its superficial location. So you can actually a lot of times even compress these with the weight of your transducer by applying too much pressure. So when this fistula is created, the superficial efferent vein, once the fistula has matured, uh, then it can be used for dialysis puncture. And the vein does often become lumpy and sausage shape due to that increased intraluminal pressure. Access grafts, it's a, an access graft is a synthetic tube graft that is placed between the artery and the vein and used for dialysis puncture. And it's used when veins are inadequate and it's useful when fistulas have failed. And approximately 50% of patients are not candidates for an AV fistula. And um, it's stated that this is a favored method in the United States still over um, the AV fistula. However, uh, there are there is a trend going towards AV fistulas now, and we're seeing more and more um, of the surgeons place the fistulas. So the graph can be straight or looped. It's usually made of uh, Teflon. It's polytetrafluoroethylene, and it's uh, that which is also known as Gore-Tex. And in our diagram here, we can see that off of the radial artery is where the anastomosis of the graft is, and then the graft goes back more on the proximal arm that it, it attaches to the median cubital vein, which will empty into the basilic vein. So that's your outflow vessel and return in that situation. So some grafts are self-sealing, and they can be cannulated soon right after implantation, and they also can be tapered to reduce flow volume. Um, grafts 
tend to have a shorter duration and lower patency rates of fistulas overall, which is again is why there's that uh, trend going towards the fistulas right now. Types of access graphs, um, we have the uh, polytetrafluorethylene, the Teflon, and this one is double walled in appearance on ultrasound, and it can be straight or looped. I've seen plenty of both. And uh, we can see the graft here on the first image on the left, and then to the right is your sonographic image, which is showing that double walled appearance of the graft, which is pretty is very easily recognizable when you're scanning, especially because these are superficial and close to the skin. Continuing with types of access graphs, a polyurethane vectrograft, um, also it's uh, Thoralon. It can be used immediately because there's no maturation time for this, and it's self-sealing. But there is a downside to this, and uh, especially for sonographers, and that is is that it's impenetrable by ultrasound. So um, we cannot, with ultrasound, penetrate these uh, polyurethane gra graphs because the foam-like material of the vector graph does not allow for the Doppler ultrasound imaging. It's a major drawback compared to um, the PTFE graft. Some other access locations, um, the brachial artery to the basilic vein, uh, vein graft, um, the clavian artery to the jugular uh, vein graft, and a superficial femoral artery uh, to the great saphenous vein loop graft. Common graft positions. So first on the left we have a loop graft, and it goes from the brachial artery to the median cubital vein. And you can see off the brachial artery in the upper arm, the graft actually loops into the upper forearm, or comes back to that median cubital vein that dumps into the basilic vein. And then on the right, we're, we have a diagram of a straight reverse graph showing the brachial artery to the basilic vein. Preoperative assessment. So um, we want to look at the arterial differential pressure between the two arms. It should be less than 20 uh, millimeters of mercury. And so we want to see good arterial inflow and we want to see good venous outflow, um, a negative DVT study. So you don't want to see any DVT here in the preoperative assessment. That could stop the whole process on that arm. Uh, we want appropriate vein size. And so we also want to verify palmar uh, patency of the arch. And the arterial lumen diameter should be greater than 2 millimeters or greater two millimeters or greater at the point of the anastomosis. Uh, graft thrum post-op assessment, we look to make sure there is no graft thrombosis or stenosis. Um, so obviously if it's occluded, that's a big problem, or if you have a severe stenosis. Uh, we measure the flow volume. We check to make sure there isn't arterial steel. We look for venous outflow to make sure that's appropriate. And we look for any kind of perigraph masses, abscesses, fluid collections, anything that could be in, infected or have caused, could cause extrinsic pressure on the, the graft itself.
pre-op exam for the arterial side, we measure the bilateral arm systolic pressures, as we were saying. We image the brachial, radial, and ulnar arteries. We look for stenosis, sclerosis, and look for occlusion. So here we have an occlusion in the color image on the left of the radial artery, and you can see where the flow stops, and it's no longer continuing on the course of the artery. And then on the grayscale image, you can look and you can see that uh, you calcified plaque in the renal artery there. Our arterial uh, assessment, we are going to check out um, all these different locations where you're seeing the arrows. Here are the image of the distal subclavian artery um, showing that uh, high resistance uh, waveform and good color flow. We will sample at the um, axillary and the brachial artery. Um, most sites will sample at multiple locations in the brachial artery as well, typically three, and on our arm high, mid, and low, and then our proximal mid distal, and same accordingly with the radial artery and the ulnar artery. So in our pre-op arterial exam, you want to note any anatomical variations, particularly the position of the radial and the ulnar bifurcation. Uh, this particular diagram shows a high bifurcation, and it's really important that you scan thoroughly so as to not wrongfully document the, the patient as having duplicate arteries that they don't have. Arterial suitability. In the transverse plane, we measure the inside diameter of the distal radial artery. Suitable radial artery diameter is to be greater or equal to 2 millimeters. Peak systolic velocity should be greater or equal to 50 centimeters per second. And note calcified artery segments. And is the palmar arch patent? So another thing has to be determined. On that arterial evaluation, that's normal. You'll have less than 20 milligrams of mercury pressure gradient between the arms at the brachial artery level. And then arterial uh, lumen diameter greater or equal to two millimeters and an absence of radial artery stenosis and a patent palmar arch. So here we have an incomplete arch and you document this uh, because after when you're doing a post op evaluation of a graft, it, it's common to find retrograde flow in the radial artery distal to a graft or fistula near the wrist. And this steel may be asymptomatic if the palmar arch is intact and the ulnar artery flow is sufficient. So you can compress the ulnar artery while monitoring the distal radial artery flow, and then the radial artery flow will often resort to an anti-grade direction. So you know it's just a little bit of steel from the graft. Uh, causing that retrograde flow in that area of the renal artery. On the venous evaluation, a normal exam, you have an absence of stenosis or thrombosis. You have patent deep veins in the upper arm, venous luminal diameter of greater than or equal to 2.5 millimeters for fistula and greater or equal to 4 millimeters for graft. Your Preoperative examination has been shown to significantly reduce the early graft fistula failure rate. Even so, 
um, if you looked on two third or three twenty five of your Zwiebel uh, book, you'll see that despite preoperative vascular mapping, a substantial number of AV fistulas still fail to mature adequately to support hemodialysis. So um, they don't always work out. So preoperative venous, again, you scan deep and superficial veins for obstruction, compare bilateral subclavian vein waveforms for central obstruction. Um, and as we said, for AV fistula, the vein lumen diameter should be 2.5 millimeters or greater. Uh, for dialysis graph, 4 millimeters, there should be no obstructions. And um, the veins they like to see that they're going to use be within one centimeter of the skin, so they have easy access. You want continuity with the proximal central veins and no central venous outflow obstruction. Graph fistula complications, uh, thrombosis obviously, or it's occluded, stenosis, it can be at the proximal and distal anastomosis or within the graft itself. And in venous outflow tract uh, due to intimal hyperplasia or thrombus. And you can have arterial steel. Um, where you get a digit ischemia, so you're not getting blood flow to those digits, uh, distal venous hypertension, aneurysms, and pseudoaneurysms, and infection, uh, which is mostly, mostly associated with synthetic grafts. Oh, and also, you can also have an elevated right side heart uh, pressure due to the uh, excessive graft flow. So graft fistula facts, um, grafts and fistulas are allowed to mature for four to six weeks, up to 40% rate of initial failure, so quite a few can fail. Um, grafts are most, uh, PTFE, are most common procedure, uh, as of right now, two to one to fistulas, but I think that's changing quite a bit, I can tell you from my own experience in the Probably the last five years, I've seen a heck of a lot more AV fistulas on hemodialysis grafts than, than um, Teflon-style grafts. Scanning protocol, you're, you're going to um, determine the location of the fistula graft by patient uh, history and our medical records. Uh, determine the indication for the exam, and there's a number of reasons they could order that. Uh, visually examine the graft or fistula location and note the puncture sites and lumps. Sometimes just looking, you can see that you have a lump and it's red hot and swollen, or you may be able to put your fingers down uh, and uh, not feel the thrill that you should be feeling. Um, you want to palpitate any lumps to determine if they are pulsatile, possibly a pseudoaneurysm. You're going to start in a transverse plane, note the needle track. And use high-frequency linear transducer, 5 to 10 megahertz, and make sure that you do allocate sufficient time to perform the test as well. So you perform a general survey, scan the upper brachial artery to distal and the radial artery, identify the graft or fistula origin, scan the course of the graft or fistula, and scan the course of the outflow vein too. Your general survey continued here. We're going to look in long view and standardized image orientation. You have your an image of color image with your spectral waveform. 
and showing the flow going from the heart to the hand. You're going to measure and record the peak systolic velocity. You're going to look at the inflow artery, brachial radial, proximal mid and distal graft, uh, fistula, and anastomotic regions. Your radial artery flow. So here on the left, we have a patient whose graft is patent, and this is a mid-radial artery sample, uh, and a patent access graft. And then on the right, we have a radial artery proximal to the graft, where you just have that normal high-resistant uh, triphasic waveform, and this is one with an occluded access graft. Does not have the loss of these things, and uh, sometimes right at the anastomosis, you can notice a mix of that arterial venous components, if, it, if it's just like an AV fistula. So we're going to measure and record the peak systolic velocity and any regions of flow disturbance or stenosis in the graft. And we're going to look at the um, the in and outflow, um, well, with outflow vein, and then we're going to we'll measure there in the outflow vein, and then the artery distal to the anastomosis, and then also um, note the flow direction. Very important. So here we have a, a diagram showing where you're going to take your Doppler samples, and um, so the little circles indicate the sites, and so. Most protocols at most sites would be fairly uh, similar. You're going to, you know, Doppler sample that native inflow vessel artery, and then a sample at the proximal anastomosis, and then in some cases you'll do a sample at proximal graft, mid graft, and distal graft, and then at the distal anastomosis, and then some sampling in the outflow vessel or vein as well. Neo-intimal hyperplasia. So neo-intimal hyperplasia is, it can be thickening of the intimal layer of a vessel, usually after injury due to an angioplasty, stenting, or surgical repair. It can also be used to describe the thickening of the venous and prosthetic bypass grafts that leads to a reduced lumen diameter and flow, and, and ultimately could cause a graft occlusion or thrombosis. So here where our arrows are pointing to that basilic um, vein intimal hyperplasia. Down here, we've got a graph or a diagram showing that hyperplasia. Um, you can see where the graph comes into the vessel and how this is. Um, we've got a problem here with all this thrombus built up. So, criteria for dialysis graft stenosis uh, needs to be greater or equal to 50% diameter stenosis um, under these. Um, criteria, the velocity increase is 2 to 1 or 3 to 1 in some reports, and a peak systolic velocity of greater than 400 centimeters per second. So we do have very high speeds in a graph normally, um, and extremely high when there's stenosis. Your um, fistula stenosis of 50%, renal artery cephalic vein uh, for an end to side, you have a peak systolic greater than 400 centimeters. Per second. Now, this is in a fistula, 
and then uh, ratio two to one or three to one anastomostic stenosis of a peak systolic velocity and radial artery peak systolic velocity. So for outflow cephalic vein stenosis, a ratio of three to one. So vein stenosis is more likely to occur with a graft than in a fistula. And you want to obtain and record velocity before and after any areas of any kind of flow disturbances. It's not just in it, but before and after it as well. So your scan protocol for the outflow track, you want to follow the outflow veins to the central veins, look for venous thrombus, kinking, uh, anything that could cause extrinsic compression. Your graft flow volume, so we select a clean uh, site at mid-graft, so where we can really see the vessel quite well. Um, attain the lumen diameter measurement, and in your graft, you want a diameter of six millimeters. And expand uh, the sample gate to the diameter of the vessel when you're taking your sample. So again, you're in transverse view and you're measuring the inside diameter of the graft. And you do this with color Doppler off. And then the diameter measurement can be converted to area by the ultrasound machine. They'll allow you to do that. And then your, um, your time average velocity is the measurement of the instantaneous average or mean velocity over time. And the machines now they use using the system software um, can calculate this volume. 